Story Spectacular. Welcome to Story Spectacular with me, Angela Ferrari. I'm a children's book author and illustrator, and I'm very excited to introduce my children's story podcast. Get ready to listen to spectacular stories you can take along with you anywhere. Stories like the Flea Circus. Step right up and grab your magnifying glass to watch the greatest show on earth. It's time for the Flea Circus. And fly home, Birdie. Birdie has a long, long journey. She flies over mountains and streams and even the ocean. Fun characters are always stopping by, like Digger the dog. His name is Digger and he likes to tell jokes. My name is Digger and I like to tell jokes. Hey, Angie, I love Story Spectacular, but keep me away from that flea circus. (laughs) Hey, Digger, could you tell us a joke? Sure. What's better than a talking dog? Gosh, what is better than a talking dog? A spelling bee. (laughs) You will also hear some groovy tunes. In the Amazon, Jamazon, we'll be jamming down the river till the break of dawn. Listen to full episodes of Story Spectacular on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Story Spectacular! Thanks for listening! Stay tuned! Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 48 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. Episode 48. That means we're just a couple of weeks away from the big 5-0. Which means our big three-week anniversary bonanza is almost here. I think y'all are really going to enjoy the ensemble I'm putting together. You'll get to hear from so many great podcasts as we turn phrases together. Keep watching on Facebook and Twitter for more details as we get closer and closer. If you join the Facebook Topper fan page called Off the Topper Your Head, because I like stupid jokes, then you'll be among the first to receive news when I post it, because I always post it there first, and then later on Twitter. Also, if you want bonus stuff, you can check out my Patreon page through the link in the show notes. Alright. What are we talking about today? Or should I say, what are we talking about today? Because, as I already mentioned, I love stupid jokes, and the theme for today is water phrases. Without further ado, but with more stupid puns, let's dive into today's phrases, origins, history, and more. First up on the menu for today is the idiom between the devil and the deep blue sea. This one means that you're in a situation with at least two outcomes, but neither option is that great of a choice. This saying is quite similar in meaning to being stuck between a rock and a hard place. 
We know that this one has been around since at least 1637, because it shows up in writing that year. We'll come back to this soon, but for now, we need to go a lot further back into old-timey times. In Homer's Odyssey, which was written in the 8th century BC, Odysseus finds himself stuck between Scylla, a monster, and Charybdis, a whirlpool. So he was literally stuck between a devil of sorts and the deep blue sea. Now, this is believed to be the first time someone was in this kind of trap, but the saying itself still doesn't seem to appear until the aforementioned time of 1637. Since the idea behind this phrase can be traced back to at least the 8th century BC, it's hard to pin down who first used it idiomatically, so we'll stick with what we do know. In that case, what was this first modern-day use in writing? Well, it was in a work called His Expedition with the Worthy Scots Regiment called Mac Key's Regiment. It was written by a Scottish army general named Robert Monroe, and he wrote, quote, I, with my party, did lie on our post, as betwixt the devil and the deep sea. End quote. Now, take note that at this point, blue wasn't actually part of the saying. While the word devil most likely makes you think of the actual devil, Satan, this isn't the only meaning of the word. In 1867, Admiral Henry Smith of the British Royal Navy wrote the Sailor's Word Book an alphabetical digest of nautical terms. In this dictionary of sorts, he included an alternate meaning for devil, which was, quote, the seam which margins the waterways on a ship's hull, end quote. What he's talking about is the seam between the planks of the deck and the planks making up the side of the ship, or basically where the deck and the side meet. This seam had to remain watertight, and it required occasional refilling. If the ship was out on the water, filling the seam meant either leaning way over the railing or being suspended over the side of the ship. This became known as being between the devil and the deep sea, because, well, they were literally in between the devil of the ship and the deep sea. So when did the deep sea become blue? Not until 1931, when musicians Ted Kohler and Harold Arlen wrote a song called between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. The song was immensely popular, and so it helped not only turn the phrase blue, but also cemented it into the vernacular even more than it had been before. Now, let's look at why ducks are so chill. The idiom, like water off a duck's back, means that a person is unbothered or unaffected by something. This one has a literal beginning because water tends to literally run off the back of ducks. Ducks have oils in their feathers that repel water, so they don't get soaked and laden down in the rain or while swimming and dipping underwater. According to the American Heritage Dictionary of Idioms, this idiom has been around since the early 1800s. However, it doesn't provide an origin. So we'll stick with the origin being the observation of the literal phenomenon of how water rolls off of a duck's back. As far as being in writing, it seems to first show up idiomatically in an article from a New Zealand newspaper called the Grey River Argus. On May 23, 1874, an article stated, quote, This is one of the advantages of a non-responsible government. 
that it can afford to allow hostile motions to glide like water off a duck's back. End quote. Now, we've had sayings like this before that seem to first appear in a newspaper, but without quotation marks or an explanation. And like the ones we've looked at previously, many people maintain that since the newspaper used the expression without explaining it to the readers, it was almost certainly already in the vernacular for a while before this date. From that point on, it starts showing up in print more and more frequently as time passes and becomes a more popular saying for people to use. I don't have anything else to share about this one, so now let's lead a horse to water. What does it mean when someone says you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? This proverb means that you can give someone an opportunity, but you can't force them to take it. Now, horses have been around for a long time, and while this proverb isn't as old as horses themselves, it is most definitely from way back in old-timey times. Now, it's not the first proverb ever written down, but it does have the distinction of being the first fully English proverb, not one derived from a different, more ancient language. Some maintain that it isn't the first fully English proverb, but most everyone agrees it is the one that has remained the most popular and been used the most. So when did it show up? In the late 12th century, we find a work called the Old English Homilies, which was a collection of, well, homilies, which are religious writings intended more for spiritual clarification than instruction. From what I could find, it looks like this was put together by an English author named Richard Morris. But since it was a collection, it wasn't written by him, just compiled. Anyway, here's the translated version of the Old English it would have been written in, because I suck at Old English even more than New English. It said, quote, Who can give water to the horse that will not drink of its own accord? End quote. We also find this in John Haywood's 16th century work that we've referenced before, a dialogue containing the number and effect of all the proverbs in the English tongue. The version he used was, quote, A man may well bring a horse to the water, but he cannot make him drink without he will. End quote. Now that we know the when, let's look at the why. This is a straightforward one. If you have a horse, you can lead it to a source of water, but there's nothing you can do to make it lean its head down and drink it. Horses are incredibly strong and can be stubborn, and if they aren't thirsty, trying to make them drink is futile. This literal struggle translates over to the proverbial struggle of trying to help someone, but them not being willing to do their part once presented with the opportunity. Now, I'm going to take this opportunity to move on to today's next phrase. The idiom, water under the bridge, means that something is in the past and can't be changed. It comes from the idea that water is constantly flowing under a bridge, and once it's passed under it, the exact same water will never be under that bridge again. Water in a river, like time, is always moving. And so this saying is meant to remind us that we shouldn't hold grudges, but let things move on as water under a bridge does. This saying, or the first version of it, is thought to have come from The Betrothed, a three-volume Italian historical novel that was published in 1827. 
by Alessandro Manzoni, an Italian poet and novelist. In this work, he wrote, quote, Then he crossed his arms on his breast, heaved a sigh, bent his eyes on the water which floated his feet, and thought, It has passed under the bridge. End quote. Now, this is where many people think the phrase came from, but it didn't really become widely used for about another hundred years. In the 1930s, it became much more popular, and it's likely due to a song released in 1934. It was called Water Under the Bridge, a title suggested by Ed Sullivan. And yes, that's the guy from The Ed Sullivan Show. It was written by songwriters Paul Francis Webster and Lou Pollock, and was performed by Fred Waring, a musician well-known both on radio and television. In addition to the title, we find the phrase in the chorus as, quote, We kissed and love flowed through my heart like the water under the bridge. End quote. While the meaning in this song sounds a bit more flowery than Don't Hold a Grudge, it still helped to launch the saying into a much more popular one that is still widely used to this day. And now it's time to flow into today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. All right, toppers. Today's metaphor comes from the awesome Kim over at the People Are Wild podcast. If you don't already listen to this show, I highly recommend it. She's going to be on one of the three anniversary episodes, so keep an ear out for that. Anyway, the metaphor she asked me about was, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Now, this technically isn't a metaphor, but is actually a malaphor. So, let's first look into the etymology of malaphors. The definition of a malaphor is a blend of two aphorisms, idioms, or cliches. The word malaphor itself is a blend of two other words, so there's just a whole lot of mixing going on here. Malaphor comes from combining the words malaprop with metaphor, and this portmanteau was coined by Lawrence Harrison, a senior executive in the State Department. It was in an article in the Washington Post titled, Searching for Malaphors. This was in the August 6, 1976 edition of the newspaper, so now we have a win, but there's still one more definition to go over. A malaprop is the absurd or humorous misuse of a word or phrase, sometimes, but not always, mixed up with a similar-sounding word or phrase. So let's bring this all together. A malaphor is a portmanteau of malaprop and metaphor, and is therefore a metaphor that is said incorrectly or by combining two metaphors together. All right, is that clear as mud? Ooh, I need to put that one on my to-do list. Okay, let's now actually look at the phrase Kim asked me about. Now, it just so happens that we'll burn that bridge when we get to it is one of the most popular malaphors out there. This is thanks to cheeseburger and margarita-loving Jimmy Buffett. While he may not have technically been the first person to ever say it, since we don't know who said it first, by putting it in his song, Burn That Bridge, he most definitely made it popular. It was in his chorus, and it's a mashup of these two metaphors. Don't burn your bridges, and let's cross that bridge when we get to it. I'll give you a nutshell version of these phrases. 
Don't burn your bridges, or the shorter version of don't burn bridges, means don't do something to ruin a relationship enough to permanently end it. And this one can be traced way back into old-timey times. As far back as at least ancient Rome, when troops would cross a bridge leading them into a new territory, and the leader would command the troops to burn it behind them to keep them from retreating later. The second metaphor, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, means that you shouldn't worry about something in the future that you have no control over yet. You can deal with the issue when it comes up, if it ever does at all. The origin of this one is a bit fuzzier, but it's thought to have been penned by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the American poet and educator. All right, Kim, I hope that answered your question. Now it's time for today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, I've got the book here, and it's open to a section of quotes by Helen Keller. And this is from her work, The Story of My Life. And it says, Literature is my utopia. Here, I am not disfranchised. No barrier of the senses shuts me out from the sweet, gracious discourse of my book friends. They talk to me without embarrassment or awkwardness. I really like that quote. I think a lot of people who enjoy reading can connect with that quote. You get to escape into the books, and, and yeah, I think we should move on. But not before we first thank Miss Helen Keller, a fellow Alabama girl, for today's familiar quotation. Alright toppers, that's going to do it for episode 48. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. You can connect with me and fellow language lovers on Twitter and Facebook. Just look up Turn of Phrases on either site, or go to turnofphrases.com for links and more information. If you want to send me a message or topic suggestions, you can email me which is brisky at turnofphrases.com, or use my website's contact form. My website also has details about all the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening today, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, I hope your week is as right as rain. Toodaloo! And now... This is... Let me rephrase. Which means that our big three-week bonanza... I skipped a word. Odysseus finds himself stuck between Scylla... That's probably not Scylla, it's probably Scylla. Odysseus finds himself stuck between Scylla, a monster, and oh, Sherab, Sherabdis, Caridibidis. <laughs> There's no way that's the proper pronunciation. And Charibidis, 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 Charibidis. There's ooh, Charibidis.
Seriously? It's Charybdis? Okay, the computer says it's Charybdis, so that's what we're gonna go with. Odysseus finds himself stuck between Scylla, a monster, and... I already forgot how to say it. <laughs> Charybdis. Now, at this point, blue wasn't actually part of the saying. This doesn't make any sense, what I wrote. So, we'll s <coughs> Wow. In this work... Work, work, work. When musicians Ted Kohler and Harold... <sighs> That's not right. Because water tends to literally run off the... Da, 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 of how water rolls off of a... Which we know because we find it referenced in multiple collections of Proverbs. Oh no, I didn't fix this. Alright, I'm going off book here. But it didn't really become widely used for about another... For about a... Until... Until a hundred years... Nope. And now it's time to flow on over in... No, no, no. 